Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. A lot of talk about finding the right real estate market and what that means. Today, we're going to look at one of the most important drivers in the marketplace, the jobs. Certainly, you've been hearing about the jobs in the media. We're going to talk about jobs and how they relate to real estate investors. Today, on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Most people think of life insurance as a death benefit, a big payout to the beneficiary when the insured dies. Some people think of life insurance as a savings vehicle, though it arguably isn't a very good one. But how many people think of life insurance as a cash management tool? Now that's a new paradigm. So before you think you already understand life insurance, call the professionals at Paradigm Life. They have educational resources to help you discover the living benefits of life insurance as a powerful cash management tool. Discover how to finance your own interests and essentially be your own bank. For a free report, visit beyourbank.com or call 888-510-6838, extension 116. That's 888-510-6838, extension 116. Or visit beyourbank.com. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm Chief Real Estate Guy, Robert Helms, your host. Uh, so got a couple other guys in the studio today. Co-host, financial strategist guy, uh, Russell Gray. That's me. I'm the assistant vice chief co-host, chief vice you got a lot of vice. That's, that's, that's me. I'm full of vice. That's for sure. And then, <laughs> and then the man with the advice, we call him the godfather of real estate, investing in seven different decades, Bob Helms. Great to be with you guys today. This is fun. Yeah, for sure. It's always good to get the big brains uh, together. And as soon as we can find those guys, we'll get them in here. In the meantime, we're going to talk <laughs> about uh, real estate today. Uh, you know what's in the news? It's jobs, jobs, and, and more jobs. This has been a big week for a job talk. It is a big, big, it's big week. I mean, it's been a big couple of years. But obviously, um, the national focus has been a lot on jobs. We're getting to be kind of, I don't know, maybe not neck deep, but we're probably about midsection deep in the president presidential debates. We've had a couple of GOP presidential debates. Uh, President Obama came out and gave a big speech about, you know, his big jobs plan. And now he's out stumping around the country trying to get people to buy off on it. And there's going to be a lot of talk and a lot of debate about what's going on. What does it really take to create jobs? There's a lot of those types of articles in the news. So uh, it's a great question. I mean, as real estate investors, we care a lot about jobs. And the more we understand about what it is that creates jobs and what it is that businesses look for, the better suited we're going to be to be strategic in picking markets that we think are going to have the best long-term prospects. Because when you get involved in an investment property as a buy-and-hold investor, you're not in for a day, you're not in for a week. It's not like day trading. You're in there for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. You better understand what's underneath that market. Well, and the difference we want to make sure we point out at the beginning is all the talk about jobs that, that's happening out there in the mainstream has to do with, as we look across the country, we have unemployment. And the, the most recent uh, statistics from the uh, Labor Department is that uh, unemployment is up in August in 26 states and uh, only uh, down uh, in uh, 12, so still a, a problem. But most of the talk is about the jobs from the social perspective, right? I, I need to have a job. I'm out of work. I haven't worked. I'm getting unemployment. There's that whole thing. I got to find a job. All right. That's not what we're talking about. 
We're talking about as real estate investors being in the market where there are long-term jobs, where the jobs are likely to stay, where there's reasons for good constructive employment is going to create the income that we need. Our tenants have to get up and go to work for somebody so they have enough paycheck left to pay the rent, and that's what we're interested in. So for instance, great job market, Washington, D.C. Now there's a lot of political pundits who want to complain about the jobs and, and, and why people are employed there and tax dollars going to those. That doesn't matter. What matters as a real estate investor is there's good jobs there. So people are making money today in particular segments of real estate in Washington, D.C. Now, the cost of living is high, and the cash flow numbers don't necessarily work. But if you're willing to buy a property, rehab it in the right area, turn it around, those properties are selling today. So I'm interested in where jobs are going to be because there's always a great way to attach that to real estate. The key word, sustainability. If I'm an investor, it doesn't matter what I buy. If I'm going to have this property last, I've got to have incomes of my tenants that's sustainable so that, in fact, they pay me and I can pay for the property. And this tenant, when they move out, there's a tenant in line behind them and a tenant after that, right? What's going to be next? What's happening in a, in a marketplace? And which way are the rents trending? Are they trending up? Are they trending down? Big picture is we have more people renting today because people have lost homes, because there's been a big economic change in the last couple of years. So there's more renters. As a real estate investor, that's good news. I think there's another subtle component that needs to be paid attention to, and that's discretionary income. Because... You know, when you get people, we found out in the in the whole real estate situation, we had people as a percentage of their income and the way the mortgages were structured, they were paying such a high percentage. Their, their debt to income ratio relative to their mortgage was so high that they did not have any room to absorb any upside. So when those adjustable loans reset, it was game over. And so as a landlord, if you're thinking, hey, I want to be able to raise my rents down the road, then you want to be in a market, hopefully, where there's a little bit of discretionary income. So, Robert, your point about the ratio between the rent and the property price is one thing that's interesting. But the other thing is, is what's the ratio between the rent and the person's income relative to the cost of living in that particular area? Because if you don't get that figured out you may not be able to absorb a little bit of a downturn. You know, if, if the market gets soft on you and you've got to reduce your rents three or four or five percent, and that's the difference between having a, a vacancy or not having a vacancy, uh, that can be a deal breaker for you. So there's a lot of things to understand about a market if you're going to be in it in an economy that is is not robust. I mean, right now it's, it's an economy where you need to need to really make sure that your numbers pencil and you have, Bob, to your point, sustainability, because if that income isn't sustainable, neither are you. It's why that's interesting right now is because there's opportunity, the property's on sale, it's a great buyer's market. The downside of that is the uncertainty in that. And so we don't have crystal balls in real estate, unfortunately. I mean, I, I haven't seen one. So what you have to do is, is study the numbers and take your best guess as to what the jobs are. A few weeks back, we were talking about what we might term as resource-backed jobs, jobs that are tied to things that aren't going anywhere. For instance, a market where a lot of the jobs have to do with natural resources, if I'm in the oil or gas business, say, and I'm in an area where there are oil and gas reserves and I employ a lot of people in that business, those jobs aren't, aren't picking up and, and moving overseas very easily, right? Other jobs are easier and more portable 
And it doesn't mean that they're going to leave. It just means that all things being equal, I want to make sure that I understand the job market in an area. Not every real estate investment has to do with jobs, right? I mean, there's great, but we, we have a couple of great investments that are resort-based. Okay, that's not about jobs. I mean, the people have to have jobs who come stay at the resort, but they come from all over the place. So it's not about local jobs in that economy. There's a couple of great retirement markets in the U.S. They're doing pretty good right now because people are going to where it's warm. They're retiring. Some people are deciding, you know, I'm just done with this thing. I just want to retire early. And some people have that luxury. So those markets are booming, not because of jobs. So too many real estate investors, it's all about jobs. No, it's not. But if you're going to Russ's point, be a long-term buy and hold investor, the likelihood is your tenant needs a job in order to pay you the rent. Well, I think it's really about being strategic in terms of matching up your marketplace with your target demographic and what you're trying to accomplish. You know, we talk about that all the time about starts with personal investment philosophy, what you're trying to accomplish and then stepping down into the markets. But, you know, we did a segment, a section in our book we called oil and vinegar, and it was when you mismatch a market and a strategy and, you know, you go into a high leverage financing structure in a marketplace that doesn't appreciate, you're not making money on cash flow, you're not making money on appreciation. High leverage can be a good strategy and a cash flow market can be a good strategy, but you can't put those two strategies together and expect to produce a result. So you mentioned Washington, D.C. earlier, and, and the thing is there, you go in, those rental numbers don't pencil out very well. So it's a different... Well, they, they do if you put 80% down. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of markets used to be like, the good news in, in today's market is there are markets that were traditionally those kind of markets that have probably good prospects to return to being those kind of markets that right now, because of the market dynamics, are on sale. But the main point is making sure that when you're looking at your marketplace and you're looking at your property types and you go to say, for example, the resort thing is who are my customers? Where are they coming from? Where's their money coming from? If I'm going to be in long term and I'm looking for rental income, a retirement community can work as long as you know who your demographic is and you're getting properties that's attractive to that demographic. If you aren't focused on making sure that you're matching up your product offering with your target customer, you can have a great product but not for the right customer or vice versa. Yeah, so clearly you're going to be focused on markets that have reasons for people to go there, what I like to call stories. I want any market I'm going to be serious about to have at least five stories and hopefully more. And a story is a reason someone would want to move there, stay there, raise their kids there, visit there, whatever the, the case may be. So if you look across the United States, there are some markets today that are ripe for the picking, and there's some markets that are probably a little too early, and there's some markets that maybe are never coming back. And so the focus of today's show, just because everyone's talking about jobs, is what are the right kind of jobs in a marketplace? If you think about the market that you live in, there's the high end, there's the low end, and there's a lot of in-between. And in the market that you live in, whether or not it makes sense to invest there, you kind of know that the mar the areas you should stay away from, areas where there's a good potential for increase. And as a real estate investor, you may not live in the market that you want to invest in, or maybe where you live just isn't a great investment market. So you have to get outside of that and go to find a market where there is the right types of folks, meaning that people are going to get up and be renters. Some people are just, they're, they're destined to be renters. Nothing wrong with that. Owning a home is the American dream. Great. But for a lot of people, the dollars and cents don't make sense to buy a home. Plus, 
with the credit crunch, it's difficult for people to buy homes today, more so than ever. Even though affordability is good, the actual ability to get into a property is tough. There are some price points in America right now that are virtually impossible to get loans in. There's places where you can buy houses for $40,000, but the minimum loan amount in a lot of places is $50,000. So you're not even going to get a loan, and most of the people that live in $40,000 houses don't have $40,000 to buy the house with. Those people are going to rent. And you know what? As a real estate investor, I'm very interested in a forty dollars or fifty dollars or $60,000 house where the rents are $700 or $800 or $1,000. Because the numbers work. It's the simple formula. We look at a lot of people who uh, just were blindsided by what came along. You know, Russ was talking about ratios earlier. Kind of a classic ratio has always been that if you were buying a property, the lending community realized that you'd probably succeed if they let you put about a third of your gross income towards your payment. Well, the interesting part is if your mortgage doubled, suddenly... There is no discretionary income. If you didn't have any to begin with, what do you do now? Well, and you only qualify for the property at that moment, right? Uh, hopefully, you're gonna if you're a home buyer, you're gonna move in and you're gonna qualify with that thirty uh, percent or thirty eight or whatever the ratio is uh, from the lender, and your income is gonna go up, and property values are gonna go up. But what if that's not the case? And so, as an investor, I'm super interested in where is my tenant getting the money to pay me. What's the likelihood that that will continue? And if they aren't able to, is there somebody standing in line behind them to move in? So when we come back, we'll talk about uh, some of the industries that tend to be more recession-proof and some of the job markets you might not have considered. And before we're done, we're going to have a guest that's going to share some really great information with us about a particular market. And hopefully that'll get your mind uh, thinking about the questions to ask and, and so forth. This is the Real Estate Guys Radio Program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Hi, this is Kendra Todd, winner of The Apprentice, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of The Real Estate Guys, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One you might think about is Blink, The Power of Thinking Without Thinking by Malcolm Gladwell. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. Looking for solid cash flow in a market where the jobs are likely to stay put? Hi, this is Robert Helms. Join me October 14th to 16th for our first investor field trip to Memphis, Tennessee. I'm excited to show you this affordable real estate market where cash flow is the name of the game. You'll meet active developers, rehabbers, property managers, plus folks from the Chamber of Commerce and many surprise guest speakers. Find out how the four R's of Memphis will virtually ensure a steady supply of qualified tenants. For all the details, visit realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Join me in Memphis for an amazing cash flow weekend. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Hi, this is Peter Schiff, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning in. We're talking today about jobs, like every other radio show these days. <laughs> the difference is we're talking about how jobs influence our decision about what market to invest in as real estate investors. We love tenants that get up and go to work and, and pay their rent, and uh, having a job makes that a lot easier. But not all jobs are, are created equal, and there's been a huge shift just from the employment standpoint in the last few years. I remember about a year ago, uh, Russ, at uh, 
uh, on Clues in the News, you were doing a, uh, an article on the fact that even though there were some job growth cities, that the types of jobs have changed. The higher paying, more trained jobs were leaving and the jobs that were replacing were, were lesser paying jobs. Yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly the case. You know, we lost like, something like 30 or 40 percent of the high paying jobs and we replaced them with basically service working jobs. And the challenge with that is there's nothing wrong with those types of jobs, but most people consider those entry-level jobs, and they're working up hopefully towards something else, but when they get to the next level, there's nothing waiting for them. And that's a huge, huge problem. So, you know, if you're in a marketplace where you cannot afford to pay rent on your average place with that type of a job, then it's going to be awfully hard for that market to have any real traction, uh, you know, as a long-term income investor. So what does that mean? I think what it means is you want to be in a marketplace where the average property can and be sustained by the average income. And so that's a huge distinction. And many markets, that doesn't fit. The, the historically great appreciating markets, that's usually not the case. And so as we look at different markets across the United States, there are some great industries. We talked about resource-based jobs. If the jobs can't leave, that's, a, that's one point on the curve. There's got to be a diversity of jobs as well. If there's synergy between industries, that can be great. If it's a job area, an industry that's growing. So just for fun, I was looking at some of the hot growing job industries for this year, 2011, things like consulting because a lot of businesses aren't hiring employees, but they'll bring on a consultant for a period of time. Now, we'll talk more about projects versus jobs uh, in a minute. Elderly services is certainly on, and really a lot of the health care, which is related around the aging of the baby boomer population. Yep. So chiropractic and dental in some of those areas are, uh, are growing as, as well. Employment firms. So folks that are, are temporary employment firms, again, back to that theme of I'm not sure I want to put in a permanent job, right? But if I'm a landlord, I want to see permanent jobs. So we were talking about this uh, the, the other night, Russell. I think this is great. When we're talking about the jobs that are being created because of, of stimulus, sometimes those jobs aren't here to last. This is so huge. I mean, you know, we, the, the illustration we gave, if you're running a little business out there and all of a sudden the government changes a regulation and you have to redo all of your files, do you hire a permanent worker to do that? Of course not. You don't, because it's a temporary project. It's a project-based job, like the census. So, you know, I don't even know why we... Like holiday workers in a shopping exactly. mall. Exactly. You can't count those jobs, in jo to me, in job growth, because they're not really jobs. They're things to do. They're projects. They're, they're, they're aberrations. They're anomalies. They're well, blips. Okay. Even if you can count them as jobs, if a, a politician can count them as a job, as a landlord, I'm not interested in jobs that are created only during the holiday season. Right? That's not an interesting job to me because what happens when the pumpkin patch closes up and all those guys that were selling pumpkins can't pay their rent anymore? I want a job that's there to stay and there to last. Well, yeah, like or in response to a crisis. You know, we talked about what happened in, in New Orleans. You know, when you, have, when you have a big tragedy like that happen and a bunch of workers come in, construction jobs are booming and salaries are great. You know, and now a guy goes out and, you know, buys a house to rent to those workers. And as soon as that project of rebuilding the city is over, it might last two or three years but if you're in for a decade or or two and those jobs have gone away 
who are your buyers and what happens? You know, there was temporary tax breaks given in that marketplace. The same thing. It's great on the front end, but you have to have a, a longer term view if you're in the market for the longer term. And really, that's kind of the theme here. Again, it's just being 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 sure that you're clear on where the money's coming from and making sure that the job is going to be real. And so as as, as we as a country uh, in the United States are focusing on how can we create jobs, understand there's a big difference between having an infrastructure job where somebody's going to fix a bridge or repair this or repair that. Those are great jobs, but but what happens when the project is done? Those people don't have jobs again, and you're back to the same thing. So what you don't want to do is build up all your you know your investments based on these people who are going to be there, and then have them go away, and now you're stuck holding an investment that doesn't work the way you had planned. There's also primary jobs in a marketplace and secondary jobs in a marketplace, and here's what we mean by that. The primary job is the job at the factory that creates the widget and has for the last 10 years, and they're opening up a new division, and they're expanding, and there's 1,500 new jobs. Great. Those people are going to be there making widgets a long time. Primary jobs in the marketplace, bringing money in typically from outside the market. Then there's all the service jobs that pop up to serve those people. So many of the jobs we talked about earlier, maybe the lower paying service jobs, a room for cream, right? People that are handling dry cleaning and people, businesses that are popping up to service these new people. Without those primary jobs, there's no need for more restaurants. There's no need for, you know, another post office, a whole other topic, but, but, uh, <laughs> but in the primary job is what matters. And so it doesn't mean my tenant needs to be employed in the primary industry. This is part of the great thing about it. Right. Sure. I might be in a market where the guy that works at the local fast food restaurant, is a great tenant for me, not because of the fast food industry, because there's a lot of primary jobs that serve that, that, that industry serves. Yeah, I mean, that that's a very, very important point, because it may be that the people who work at that major industry aren't renters. They're not those types of people, but they are the type of people that go out to eat. They yep. get their car serviced. They do dry cleaning. They have, uh, you know, household help. They are spending money in the community, money that is coming through because they're highly paid workers working in one of these primary d- jobs that are bringing money in from the outside. But, you know, you have to be very mindful. If that primary deal gets pulled out of the marketplace, you say, oh, yeah, we only lost 2,500 jobs. You lost a lot more than that. You lost the heartbeat. <laughs> you lost you lost that pull. You know, Ross Pro talked about that back in 1992 he goes hey if we remove these trade barriers you're going to see a lot of our manufacturing jobs leave the u.s and it's going to change the job dynamic in the country well you know fast forward 20 years and that's exactly what happened so you know again we're not here to say oh well ross pro is right or he should have been president or these policies are good or bad it doesn't matter it's the fact is these are the things that are happened happening these are the things that we've been able to observe now we can kind of reverse engineer it and learn from it and say okay now going forward in this new reality this world that we have where is it going to make sense to be invested? What product types, what price points, who's my target demographic, and how do I want to structure my deals to make sure that I have sustainability so 20, 30 years from now, I got a nice big portfolio of cash flowing properties that's performing where the values have held up or perhaps even gained because they had some place to go because what was underneath them was solid. Well, another thing to think about is what we would call a recession-resistant job. There are jobs today, and there are a lot of jobs that are stronger, and there are businesses that are stronger than ever today. It's not the majority of businesses, but there are, and that those are the kind of industries to consider that do well when the economy's bad. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on that, that creates employment that if I'm looking at a marketplace, I've got to understand who those tenants are and where, where they're going to be, and it, back to the multiple stories. You don't want one industry pulling out of a marketplace, but that's why I always like to look for jobs where the 
various industries are somehow linked to one another. Even though they might seem that they have nothing to do with each other, if you can look past that and see where are the jobs. Now, before we're done today, we're going to talk about how, where you go to find out some of this job information. So we give some resources for that. And the great news is a lot of those resources are very easily available and won't cost you anything. So your governments have gone to, and I say governments, we have listeners on over 130 countries. Your governments have gone into a lot of trouble to assimilate that job information many times in a format that you can have access to. And the average investor isn't paying attention. So you might be intrigued by the cost of the property and where the rents are today. That's not enough. You got to look beyond that to say, okay, so, you know, Joe Blow's renting the house right now. Who, who's next and what else is in the neighborhood and what's the elasticity of what the jobs are, are going. And if you're, if you're catering your rental property, whether it's retail or commercial or, or residential to an industry that is either diminishing or the pay scales going down or there's less need for. Yeah, what happened to all those tenants at that eight-track cassette tape manufacturing a carburetor firm. plant? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So, well, today we're driving by empty buildings that have been technology shifts. So no longer is the Blockbuster video store there or the Barnes & Noble, two-story right. businesses we saw today that are gone. Doesn't mean people aren't watching movies or reading today. They're just doing that on their iPad. Right. Things have changed. So if I was in the book binding business and all my tenants worked at the book factory, I got a problem. So don't be that that landlord. Instead, you got to look at where the puck is going. Well, it's a time to focus on fundamentals. You know, you're looking at industries that are fundamental, that are not fads. Obviously, real estate is one of those. But then there's all the other things that are around it. You know, food in the context of what we're saying today. Right. Which is as the long term investor. Now, I can be all over a fad if what I'm doing is getting in and getting out. If I'm developing property, if I'm building their corporate office, if I'm doing a a flip on a house, if I'm doing something that only has an 18 month horizon, then great. Soup du jour. Let's go. But we're talking really about long term buy and hold collectors of real estate who get married to a marketplace. We're talking a, a lot about different markets, and we do field trips to markets. And uh, in a few weeks, we're going to do a spotlight on a new market we haven't talked about ever, really, in, in any kind of degree on, on the radio because it's intriguing to us. And as we look at those markets, it's not like I'm not going to go do all the research, find a market and a team, and get all excited about a place to buy one property. I want it to work, and I want to have done my homework, and then I want to be able to leverage that over lots of purchases in a marketplace at the same time realizing I may diversify because there's good opportunity today. It's a an awesome opportunity because it's a buyer's market, but that doesn't mean everything that is on sale is good for you, right? A lot of stuff that stores put on sale is because it's not selling and it's the wrong color and the wrong size in the wrong season. This is not the real estate investor you want to be. In fact, where do we get our information? Well, we have to look beyond the obvious sources. When we come back, you're going to meet a guest who has something to say about a particular market we're honored to have with us, the president of a chamber of commerce of one of the top 20 MSAs in the country is going to be with us when we come back. Also, we'll play Real Estate Trivia, a chance for you to prize when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Helms, and we're the Real Estate Guys. Hi, I'm Steve Forbes. You're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Are you ready to take your real estate investing to a whole new level? Imagine spending an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals. Join the Real Estate Guys for the 10th Annual Investor Summit. It's part education, part inspiration, part transformation, and a whole lot of fun. And it takes place in four different countries. 
Returning this year are Rich Dad Advisors Ken McElroy and Wayne Palmer, international developer Beth Clifford, attorney Mauricio Rald, and the godfather of real estate Bob Helms. Plus, joining us for the first time, Robert and Kim Kiyosaki, live and in person. It all begins March 30th, 2012 in Orlando. Visit realestateguysradio.com and click on the tab that says Summit to learn more. The Investor Summit always sells out, so reserve your spot today. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit or call 888-GUYSRADIO to talk with our Summit Specialist. That's 888-489-7723. 888-GUYSRADIO. Spend a week with the Real Estate Guys, the Kiyosakis, and an all-star faculty on the 10th Annual Investor Summit. I'm Jordan Goodman, author of Master Your Debt, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Thanks for tuning in. We're talking today about how a real estate investor can find the right market with the right kinds of jobs. As an investor long-term, I'm interested in making sure there's durability of income and that it's a good market. And uh, we've got a guest coming up next. Before we do that, though, it's time to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize. By knowing today's trivia question, which has something to do with uh, real estate and also something to do with the market that our guest is from. So here's how it works. When you hear the trivia question... And think you know the answer or want to take a guess, just send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. That's trivia at realestateguysradio.com. The first person with the right answer wins an autographed copy of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate, our book on real estate investing. Then we'll take all the correct guesses for the week, have a drawing for a second book. That way, if you're listening on iTunes, like many folks do, or on our website or somewhere, you still have a chance to win as long as you get your entry in before next week. Last week on the Real Estate Guys, we were talking about uh, a market, an interesting real estate market. San Miguel, Mexico, and we asked, what time zone is San Miguel? And the easy answer is San Miguel, Mexico is in central time. Now, it's not the same weeks as the United States puts in uh, the time changes, but they do uh, have daylight savings time in San Miguel. So it's either standard or daylight time, but, but central is the answer we were looking for. Here's our trivia question for this week. Kemmons Wilson opened the very first Holiday Inn in the world in his hometown of Memphis, Tennessee. What year did it open? What year did the first Holiday Inn open in Memphis, Tennessee? If you know or want to take a guess, send us a quick email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. That is today's real estate trivia question. And speaking of Memphis, we are uh, privileged to have uh, the CEO and president of the Memphis Chamber of Commerce with us today. Please welcome to the Real Estate Guys Radio Show, Mr. John Moore. Hey, John. Hi there. Hey, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule today to be with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much. I would imagine you spend a lot of time talking about your fair city. Every day. You know, we've been talking uh, today about uh, how a real estate investor is looking at a market through the eyes of where the jobs are in industry and, and so forth. And uh, Russell and I had the opportunity to, to spend a few days in, in Memphis uh, a couple weeks back. And, boy, we were impressed. We'd heard about the marketplace. I'd been there a little but not really spent a lot of time in the marketplace. Uh, but for the listeners that don't really know about Memphis, give us the, the kind of the big picture view of what the, the city of Memphis is all about. Well, thank you. Uh, Memphis is the, about the 17th largest city in the United States, and we are comprise a metropolitan area of about 1.3 million people, which is an eight-county MSA. Our home county, Shelby County, which is where Memphis is located, represents about 73% of the total population in the MSA. So. You can see how the other seven counties are, are more on the rural side. Sure. So the predominant 
infrastructure and the predominant jobs and, of course, the, uh, the predominant number of businesses are located in Shelby County. And we have a tremendous amount of businesses that exist within the, uh, the logistics and distribution area, and I'm, I'm going to talk a little more, bit more about that. Uh, healthcare is huge for us, and uh, so is uh, the financial world. Uh, Morgan Keegan is, is located here. We have several large banks. First Horizon, uh, which is a national bank, is, is headquartered here. Uh, we have several bond divisions and also commodity companies here. And, of course, that's related to our history in cotton and other agricultural products and natural resources. But really, one of the, one of the main things that our community operates from as far as an economic engine is our infrastructure, which we call the four R's, runway, road, river, and rail. And we have a, a high position in each one of those. We're the number one air cargo uh, airport in North America, second largest in the world after Hong Kong. We're the fourth largest inland port on the river. We're served by all class one railroads, and there are five of those. Uh, and then we're also uh, a key intersection of two main highways, 40 and 55, uh, which traverse the U.S., and that is the third largest trucking corridor in the United States. So if you look at that, it comprises a very compelling infrastructure, and if supply chain and time of delivery for your products are important, then Memphis is the place you want to be, and we've uh, succeeded very well in leveraging that. Yeah, it's amazing when you're there because so much of the business revolves around the four R's. And, you know, I wouldn't even have thought of that until we were sitting in the chamber offices and and hearing about it. And we looked around and said, oh, my goodness, you're right. I I mean, there's so much there. And what we love from the real estate investor's perspective is infrastructure that creates jobs. Those jobs aren't going to India anytime soon. Absolutely. And, and, you know, really... We, we look at infrastructure like we look at currency. In other words, if you have a time-sensitive product, whether it's high value or if it's some sort of biomass material, then you're looking, you're looking at time. Um, if you're trying to move something that's uh, uh, large, you know, like raw materials or, or even high-voltage transformers that weigh a million pounds each, then you're looking at really cost. And time isn't as much of an element when you're moving something that large. Or it ha- may have something to do with moving people because we, you know, we have a large Delta passenger hub here. But, but, and one of our other currencies really that we look at is if it's not time and it's not cost, then it could be environmental. So what types of green ways do you have of delivering product if that's really important to a company and they've built that into their model and the way that we the way that we deliver that is through uh, our key partners we've identified our assets which are the four R's and now what partners do we want to be closely associated with relative to that infrastructure that we can work with to help attract businesses to our community. And the number one business attractor for us has been FedEx. 
It's amazing when you fly into Memphis and you see all those FedEx planes. I mean, instantly you understand that that that's that's a lot of packages moving, uh, a lot of of uh, planes. Oh, it is, and you know they sort on average uh, a couple of million packages a night. In fact, when we get closer to the holidays, that'll start to accelerate. Last year on one night they sorted. Uh, for the midnight sort, over six and a half million packages. Wow. And so really the FedEx at the airport is a complex on its own, but it's allowed us to do several different things. It's allowed us to develop an industry here in the biomedical device manufacturing area. We have Medtronic, Smith Nephew, Wright Medical, just to name some of the larger ones. And they ship surgical kits with whatever prosthetic, whether it's a knee or, or an elbow or some, a shoulder or some other joint yep. for surgery the next day. So they have a really compelling interest in keeping their supply chain costs down and, and also receiving their highly expensive surgical kits back in the, into the, the sort center so that they can be sterilized, repackaged. Some of the surgical kits, along with the products that they, sh- that they send to surgeons throughout the world, can value up to a million dollars in one kit. So you can imagine, first of all, how quickly they want to get them to the surgeon, and then once the surgery is complete, how quickly they want to get back all of their equipment so they don't have to hold as much equipment and inventory. Yeah, that's huge. And, you know, it's just it's such an interesting example of the way that industries synergistically work together. It's no accident that not only in, in the medical device business, but in some other key businesses, people want to be sh- close to that infrastructure. You know, one of the other things we learned about is there's w- several law practices that are specifically near the FedEx uh, shipping center because it's the latest time you can ship overnight in, in, the, in the United States. Absolutely. You can... You can get something to FedEx by midnight in Memphis and be assured that before the 10.30 delivery time, your customer will have it in their hands. That's, this is Anywhere in the United States. It's, a, it's amazing, amazing business. But, but you have to think about it. It's not just, okay, I'm interested in Memphis because of jobs. It's not just the people that work at FedEx. It's all these industries that, that coexist together because of infrastructure that is difficult, if not impossible, to move. Absolutely. You know, what's behind all of that infrastructure and all these companies that I mentioned is also service industry in the supply chain area. We have a tremendous amount of 3PL companies here. You know, going back to the, the, the health the care industry, we've got uh, 12 large hospital companies here. And, of course, we have St. Jude, which is the number one uh, center for research for childhood diseases in the world. Yep. And uh, which we're very proud of because, uh, you know, Memphis, if, if your child has a unique and, and life-threatening disease, Memphis is where you would bring them so that they, they, can, live, they can live a happy and fruitful life. And uh, that's a really special thing that Danny Thomas did when he, when he founded that hospital. But they have the need to deliver specimens and various other treatment relative to the patient's own DNA, as an example. And so it's really important for the healthcare field and the research field to be able to have a sure method of delivering the biomass material back and forth that's necessary to save lives. 
a lot of people don't realize that the largest cornea bank in the world is here in Memphis. So if there's someone that is receiving a cornea transplant in, let's say, New York City tomorrow, chances are the material, the, the cornea itself, will be coming from Memphis to be implanted in that patient in the morning in New York City. I see. Well, you yeah. know, what a, so, so, John, I, 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 uh, it's just so interesting because there's so many different industries you don't even think about, and yet there is this, this commonality. One of the things the Chamber, I'm sure, a big part of, of, of your charter and mission is to attract the businesses to, to Memphis. Tell us about the, the, the business environment there and why a business owner might consider Memphis on their short list of uh, places to, uh, to, to locate. Absolutely. That's the easiest question I think I could possibly get. (laughs) And uh, first of all, let me just say, you know, in the world of economic development, it's really important to have a plan. And I even shared some of that, the components of that with you as far as our assets are concerned. You've got to know what you're going to sell. And you have to know who you need to partner with. And then you also need to know who is that important to and, and how do we attract them. And so we've been very successful with that in, in the last year or so. Um, we actually have a, a commitment from Electrolux Manufacturing to build a, a large manufacturing plant here. It was actually the third largest announced project in North America in two, 2010. Wow. And uh, they break ground on that next month, and they're going to hire about 1,250 people directly, and then there'll be another dozen or more suppliers that they'll need that'll produce another 2,400 jobs for us just from from that one plant. Now, how did we get them here? Well, it was actually, there were a couple of reasons. One is, is that they needed very efficient and near river, road, and, and rail access. Yep. And that's one of the things that helped us. Our supply chain cost helped us. And then, our relative to the rest of the country, our labor rates are a lot lower. But our discretionary income for those lower labor rates, the people that get those jobs, are equivalent to higher paying areas because our cost of living is so low. So, you know, you can live an outstanding lifestyle here, even though it appears that you're making less, your discretionary income is still at a higher level than you might expect. Housing here is at about 80, uh, 82% of the national average. Food is about 92%. Overall, uh, we're about 12% lower in cost of living in every average in every category in the United States total average. So the cost of living, the cost of real estate, the cost of our supply chain, we uh, incidentally, we're a, a no-income tax state, so we don't have a state income tax, and the rest of our tax structure is relatively low. Um, our commute times are fairly low. Our climate is outstanding. Healthcare is close by. We have a lot of parks, uh, rivers, streams. Uh, we we have a, an amazing park in the center of our city. It's the largest. Uh, urban park. It's 4,500 acres in the center of Memphis, uh, connected by a green line that was formerly a CX, uh, CSX railroad um, line. So we've got all these different things that are going on relative to lifestyle, uh, cost, 
um, and then availability of, of, uh, of workers. And those are the things that we really put forward in attracting companies here and helping the companies that are here expand. All right. John Moore is the CEO and president of the Greater Memphis Chamber of Commerce. If you have more information about what they do, go to memphischamber.com. John, we sure appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for sharing some of the great points about your fair city. Thanks so much. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys Radio Network. More when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Hi, I'm Robert Kiyosaki, and I encourage you to listen to those wild and crazy real estate guys. They're the best. They're working for years, and they know what they're talking about. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms, and if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits, the beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world, and why U.S. real Real estate continues to drop, Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Even better, invest where you have a solid team to support you. We've been hearing great things about Memphis, Tennessee, and Terry Kerr from Mid-South Homebuyers. Since 2002, Terry and his team have been delivering turnkey rental property solutions ideal for out-of-area real estate investors. So if you're looking for affordable, trouble-free, turnkey investment property, call Terry. Use our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 118. That's 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Come meet Terry Kerr when the Real Estate Guys come to Memphis for an investor field trip, October 14th to 16th. Get all the details at realestateguysradio.com and click on Events. Hi, this is Kim Kiyosaki. I'm the author of Rich Woman, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Awesome to meet uh, John Moore, and we're excited about uh, heading to uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Now, this isn't all about jobs and, and Memphis. We just had an opportunity to get him on the radio. I thought, abs- if the president of a chamber of commerce is going to talk to us in, in the top 20 city, you bet. We're, uh, we're excited about that. And, and obviously, there's a guy that understands, and uh, awesome that he figures out how those industries interconnect that's a pretty interesting thing yeah well i mean the one a couple things i mean he talked about how you know matching up your your marketplace or your offering to your target market and being strategic and going out there and attracting the kinds of businesses they're going to benefit from what your city or town has to offer which is you know exactly what we were talking about the idea that you want to do that as a, as a landlord but the the synergies to your point robert is really important you know because when you think about how one industry is so dependent on another industry and and what something like how central t- 
to many things distribution is. That's what really came out is, is how important it is for several industries to be near the ability to get things moved from point A to point B quickly. And the thing that I love about that is that isn't something that can be moved either because wherever you are geographically positioned that makes you logistically convenient, that's where it is. Location, location, location. Yeah, and when it comes to jobs, locations are, are huge. So how do you know? How do you know where the jobs are and what the right industries are? Well, you got to do your homework. Think about what the jobs are. And then great resource is uh, in the United States, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. BLS.gov is a site that's just filled with the, the metrics of the jobs, what the industries are, how they're trending. And if you start to watch a particular marketplace over time, you can see those trends develop. There's a few other countries that also have assembled great job information. Now, sometimes there's great opportunity because the country doesn't have great access to that, so you have to kind of uh, compile that information. Well, we're always talking about doing our homework. If we're going to look at a specific area, uh, I think this illustrated perfectly what a resource the Chamber of Commerce is. We talk with John, and, and John says, what's the Chamber of Commerce doing to be prepared to help you? Looking at all their assets, deciding what do we have that's attractive that you need, that you want? How do we match you up? So I hope you got from this today just what a key resource a Chamber of Commerce is. Another great resource when it comes to jobs are the industry information. There's magazines and there are online resources within industries. So if I'm in, in a marketplace that is all based around, say, the roller skating industry, then I'm going to go to look to the trade journals that are the roller skating trade journals because I'll know a lot about what's going on by understanding. You should know a lot about the industries that your primary tenants are, are going to be employed by. That's a And, and it's different. You know, you he, he talked about uh, the, the different counties and all those within those different counties in in their area there are different employment drivers so depending on where I'm I'm buying real estate I need to understand what what those are I think local property managers are a great resource because they are in touch with tenants every single day they know which tenants are are making the payments and wh- who those tenants are employed by and and we, we always talk about philosophy then market then team before property make sure you have a great property manager on your team yeah I think in all those cases you know one of the great advantages of being studious to Bob's point about about being you know diligent and doing your homework is that you have the ability to anticipate what's coming and get in position before the competition does and and that's huge you know whether the chamber of commerce the chamber of commerce is having a conversation like he talked about electrolux that's happening before those jobs are created yep. and unless you're plugged in you don't know it and so now they, they break ground on the plant and it's in the newspaper and you're like wow this is good but there were people who knew that way before and, you know, so it's it's the same thing. The property manager can say, hey, this area is, is kind of falling off a little bit. The school district is more popular. This is where people are going. I'm getting a lot of requests for this area or that area. And if you're plugged into that type of data and that type of information, then you're going to be in a position to move strategically in advance of the demand as opposed to chasing it. John and his counterparts are focusing. They've got the pulse of the community. They know exactly what their resources are, what the people there are trying to accomplish. So this is just one of the obvious places to go to get a feeling for what's going on. And just be a better investor if you understand really your tenants' needs, their desires, where they're coming from, and, and who's in line behind them. So uh, big thanks to John Moore for uh, being on the show today. Come with us to Memphis. We're headed off to uh, Memphis in the middle of October, and uh, the director, the economic director for the Chamber of Commerce is going to speak at our event. Excited about that. In November, we're going to be in Dallas, uh, Texas, Dallas-Fort Worth market for a field trip, and uh, also in the market of Belize. So field trips are a great way to 
learn a market, see where the drivers are up close, meet the, the local the local movers and shakers, and, and really understand the market. So whether you come with us or you get out there and visit, it's a big, beautiful world. There's lots of great places to invest. Just make sure you understand why you're making the investment decisions that you are. Hey, thanks to our sponsors for helping make our show possible, to Chetha, our engineer, and to uh, you, our listener. Tell a friend about the Real Estate Guys radio program. Send them to our website at realestateguysradio.com. Lots of great free articles and reports there, plus just a whole bunch of fun. We'll see you next week on the Real Estate Guys radio program. In the meantime, go make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys radio show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Texas Investor Homes, discover high-yield, low-risk, double-digit cash on cash returns through interim construction funding. Hassle-free cash flow investing, creating cash flow opportunities for real estate investors with brand new single-family homes in Dallas, Texas. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys radio show.